Today we've got Michael Shedd. Michael used to be one of our staff members here. He met his wife Chrissy here, leading actually the uh, 30 plus, was it, Impact Singles Ministry at the time? And so that, that's where he found his wife, I believe. And so uh, their family, they moved down to Guatemala eight years ago. They've been down there for eight years. He's a missionary. They're missionaries uh, with their family to Guatemala. Would you welcome Michael as he comes to bring a message this morning? Thank you, Pastor Tom. Hey, it's great to be here with you guys this morning. It's been a while since we've been back. And so uh, my wife, Chrissy, and I, as Pastor Tom said, we uh, met here and uh, we now have five children and we have another on the way. And somebody commented to me and said, wow, you must um, really like kids or you really like your wife or both. And I'd say we, it's both. It's both. We love kids and we love each other. So uh, I found a quality, wonderful um, wife here at Res Life. And um, shortly after we met, uh, we were married about a year and a half when we um, felt God's call to move to Guatemala. So um, I want to share with you guys a little bit about what God's doing in Guatemala. And then I have a message for you guys that I want to share with you. So first, let's take a look at a video here just to kind of give you guys an idea of what's um, some of the things that are going on in Guatemala. Since 2011, God has been growing us here in the mountains of Guatemala. Chrissy and I came here as the two of us. Now, we've grown into a family of our own, ministering together. A handful of neighborhood kids coming to play on our swings has grown into a weekly Bible study. All those little feet have worn our yard down to dirt, but they carry these young hearts through the dust and within reach of the gospel. The ministry we serve with has grown too, and we've plugged into discipleship training, developing leaders, teaching in the Bible school, and leading outreaches into the rural villages. God has been teaching us to go deeper in relationship with Him and others, and that's changing the way we do things. We're growing in relationship with people and with a God who loves the 16 million people here in Guatemala and beyond these borders. Some of the interns we've trained have gone outside of Guatemala on mission trips of their own and others are preparing for their next step that God has for them. Others come to us to learn, get help, or ask for prayer, and we see God opening opportunities to share His love. With the support and prayers of people like you, we continue growing more relationships by praying with people, outreaches, and caring for the physical and spiritual needs of others as we respond to those around us and partner with them to put God's Word into action. By touching physical needs, we gain the opportunity to touch spiritual needs too. We are focusing more on discipling people and caring for people like Christ does to change hearts and lives for eternity. Yes, we're growing here in Guatemala, and we're glad we get to be part of God's great commission to go into all the world and make disciples. That's why we're here, to make disciples who disciple others and develop this generation to follow everything Christ called us to be. Awesome. Well, that gives you a little bit of a view. Amen. Um, we live up in the mountains in Guatemala, so a lot of people think of, oh, Guatemala is tropical, banana trees and palm trees and all this. Well, there are parts of Guatemala that are like that, but we're over 6,000 feet above sea level where we're at, so we're actually in a, a cooler part of Guatemala, and um, at night sometimes, now compared to your winter, it was nothing. Um, but down in Guatemala, it's chilly for us, and so in, sometimes in the winter, it will get down into the 40s, but imagine your house in the 40s with no heat. So that's what we have sometimes. And so our kids, we bundle them up. We put coats on them and blankets, and they throw the blankets off, and we keep them bundled up at night to keep them warm. Um, but in Guatemala, it's, some things are not the way the normal perception is of, of what 
uh, somebody here might think of as Guatemala. But we get to serve with these children that we're ministering to in our neighborhood. We'd set, like the video said, we set up some swings and kids started showing up. They were actually skipping out on school to come and play in our yard. We had to put a stop to that, but we have a really good relationship with the local school now. Um, uh, three times a week, we have kids and the teacher come over officially and um, are playing in our yard. We have opportunities to minister to them. Uh, we've been invited over the past four or five years to go and speak at their graduation, and we get to openly share the gospel with parents and kids of a public school. It's awesome what God has. Uh, opportunities he's given us there. We work with a ministry where there's a Bible training center and medical um, school and our medical um, tr uh, clinic and we're reaching out to um, families and people there and our focus is discipleship. We have, there are programs, there are activities we do, but what we realize is the thing that will change lives most in Guatemala is the Word of God. And so we are trying to train up Guatemalans to make a difference in their community and across the nations. And what we're seeing is, and it's really exciting to me, is just last Saturday, so um, not the Saturday that just passed, but the one before that, the end of, of May, there were 95 Guatemalans who came together for a training session because they said, I want to learn how to do uh, ministry here in my community and to the nations. So 95 of them came together and started six months of training to be prepared to go to the nations. And we're excited how God is, is raising up a heart and a desire to say, you know, things don't have to um, be the way they are. And I don't have to leave, move to the United States or move somewhere else to try to bring about change. I can bring about change right here in my community because of what God has done in my heart and my life. And you know what? The same is the, that's the same thing that can happen here in Grand, the Grand Rapids area. You know, there's a lot of needs in Guatemala. And, and I can tell you stories about um, the woman whose name is Sebastiana. She comes to our house and um, she shares with my wife that she had become so depressed because her family had abandoned her. She has three kids and her um, extended family had literally uprooted their house. They took their house, dismantled part of their house and left her with the three kids and moved to another place and said, you can't be with us anymore. You're, you're on your own and how she felt so depressed that she started um, eating rat poison to try to kill herself. And she came and shared that with Chrissy, and, and through a, a series of things, she stopped doing that, and, and God brought, helped brought healing to her body. She had a lung problems and issues, and we helped set up a, a stove that got the smoke out of her house and helped rebuild her house, and, and we were able to minister to this family and help love on them. We've um, seen families that they don't have. There's a mom who she comes to our house. Her name's Petronila. And she will go out into the woods with her kids, and she'll go out into the, um, the broncos, the canyons, and looking for orchids, wild orchids that grow there, and she'll come and sell them to us. And we love buying from her because we know this is one of the only sources of income that she has. We've gone to her house and set up a solar, a solar light because someone was taking advantage of her and having her pay an extreme amount of money to, to share a little bit of electricity from a neighbor. And we're reaching out to people around us in, in physical ways, but we know that there's, there's one thing that Guatemala needs more than anything else. And, and I want to see if you guys, I've, I've spoken here a couple years ago, and I don't remember if I told you guys this or not, but I want to see if you guys know. And I have a bag of Guatemalan coffee here for the person who can tell me the answer. What does Guatemala need more than anything else? Because cause Guatemala needs help in different ways. There, there's a need for food in families. There's a need for education, uh, opportunities, jobs, and, and things. But there's one thing that Guatemala needs more than anything else. I hear water. Jesus, who said Jesus over here? That's right. Somebody did. Okay, right. Guatemala, more than anything else, needs Jesus. And that's what we're trying to take to Guatemala. Yes, we're helping people with their physical needs, with, with um, water purification sometimes. We're helping with, with electricity through solar power. We're helping with um, education. We're helping with um, technology and different things. That, that There are needs among the people in, in a whole variety of ways. But the thing that Guatemala needs more than anything else is Jesus. 
And that's why we're going there to disciple and help train up the Guatemalans to not just say, hey, I have an answer for my immediate need, but where I have an answer that's going to change my destiny and the destiny of my future children. And that's what we're doing in Guatemala is we're helping to train up a new generation of Guatemalans who are saying, yes, we can bring about change here through God's word. And we're seeing young people who are rising up and saying, when I first went to Guatemala, I remember that there were a lot of pastors, a lot of older gentlemen who would come and they'd study in the Bible school that we're connected with. And, and that's awesome. It was so great to see these, these older men who were humble to say, I need God's word. I need to understand this so I can share it with others. But now we're seeing a younger generation rise up and say, hey, I saw things that my pastor has taught, and, and I want more of that. I want to learn how to study God's Word. So they're coming in and spending two years of their Saturdays coming and learning God's Word. And then they're saying, you know, I want to go to another level. And now we have this group that's rising up and saying, hey, you know what, I want to go to the nations. I'm excited because in, um, in October, that program, the training program will be finished. But in November and December, um, there are plans. I'm planning on going to Cuba with a group of Guatemalans to go and minister to a communist nation. There's another group that's going to Nicaragua to share the gospel there. And so there are Guatemalans who are rising up saying, hey, I can be part of what God is doing around the nations. And did you know that, that there are places like in Egypt, a um, country, an Arab nation where the majority of people there are um, Islamic, they're um, Muslim. But did you know that there are opportunities for Guatemalans to go there and work in a call center where they receive Spanish calls and they could live among the, um, the Egyptian people and share the gospel with them? You or I couldn't go there, but they can. So that's one thing we're doing is training up a, a generation that can go places that I could not go, but they can take Christ to a new place, to a place where it, um, the gospel is, is not heard often, where people are not exposed to what God is doing. And we believe that that's going to bring change in Guatemala, in the families there, in the broken hearts there, and it's going to bring change across the world. So um, I want to thank Res Life for being part of this. I, as I, um, when I went out from Res Life, uh, we were blessed to be able to be um, sent out and encouraged and prayed for and supported through this ministry. So you guys are part of that. Um, if you look at your arms real quickly, just, just hold up an arm and take a look at that. Um, if you notice that your arms, your arms may not look like it, but they are really, really long because they're reaching down to Guatemala to help us do what we're doing there. So thank you guys for being part of that. Um, I want to share something with you. Whenever I get a chance to speak, I, I try to not just tell some stories about Guatemala and um, that I like to do that, but I also want to share something from God's Word. So if you look in John 4, I want to share a quick story with you. It would take me too long to, to read through the whole thing, so I'm going to give you the Michael Shedd short version of it. So if you'll follow along with me, um, in John 4, we see a, the story of, of an encounter that Jesus had. And Jesus was on a mission. He was getting ready to go. It says here in verse um, 3 and 4 that Jesus left Judea and departed again to go to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. Now, picture with me uh, a map. If, this, if you can imagine that there's a map here. In the south is Judea. This is where Jesus was. Judea is here, and then there's Jerusalem. And then there's the, the River Jordan along um, this, this side. And then up above that was Samaria, which is where the Samaritans lived. And... They were the despised people. They were the ones that were completely um, rejected by the Jewish people. They, they didn't want to have anything to do with them because they were a mixed race. They were of um, questionable origin. They, had, they were people of faith, 
but there was um, a mixture of beliefs and, and a lot of uh, different things going on there. So the Jewish people um, had said, you're not part of us. We don't want to have anything to do with you. So they lived here in Samaria. And then up above that was the Sea of Galilee and um, uh, the area of the region of Galilee, Caesarea, where Jesus did a lot of ministry. And uh, those were up in the, the north. Well, Jesus needed to go, and many times the Jewish people would, would try to go around Samaria to, to stay away from the Samaritan people. But Jesus, it says that he needed to go through Samaria. And um, he, he went through Samaria. He ended up stopping at a well. He, the Bible says in verse uh, 5, it says, So he came to the city um, of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat by the well. It was about the sixth hour. That means it was about noon. It was hot. Jesus was tired. He took a break. The guys, the, the disciples, they went into town to get some food, and, and he was resting there, and a woman showed up. Now, I think she probably showed up at the well at that time because it was the worst time to go to the well, and she didn't want to mess with all the other ladies talking about her. So she showed up there because she had a big past, and we're about to find out about that. So she got into conversation with Jesus. Jesus asked her for a drink. And uh, you, many of you probably are familiar with this story, but hang on. We're going to get some um, good things to take out of this. He, um, he says, can I have a drink? She says, that's strange that this Jewish man is um, asking me for a drink. He, uh, they get into a conversation, and he says that I have living water, and if you knew who I was, you would ask me for that living water. She says, um, oh, well, where are you getting this living water? They have a conversation. He, she says, I want that. He says, go ahead and go get your husband. Bring him back. She says, I don't have a husband. He said, that's right. You've had five husbands, and the one you're with right now is not even your husband. And she says, oh, I think you're a prophet. And so she tries to change the subject, and she says, starts talking about religion. And he keeps on point until she finally gets to the point that she realizes who Jesus is. She goes back into town, and she it says she talks to the men of the city. I imagine she talks to those five guys among a bunch of other people and says, hey, I met a man who told me everything I ever did. I bet some of those five guys were pretty nervous right about then. <laughs> she says this, and a whole group of people come out of the town and go to meet this man who told her everything that she had ever done. And they encounter Jesus. Jesus is out there. He's talking with his disciples, and he says, don't tell me that the harvest isn't ready yet, because it is, um, it is time, and, and we need to be ready. And so I believe Jesus wasn't just looking at the fields around the city. There probably were fields of harvest around the city. But it, um, he said, I believe he was looking at the people who were coming out of that town. And what's really cool is if we go on and um, we look, look at the, the scripture here, it says this in verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them two days. He uh, stayed with them and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own words. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that indeed that he is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. They had an encounter with Christ. No longer were they based on the, um, the testimony of somebody else, but on their own experience with Christ. Now there are three principles I want to um, give, give to you guys that, that are um, from this story. So let's go back to the beginning. The, the first thing I want to leave with you guys is this, that we need to hone or, or refine in ourselves um, a sense of awareness of what's going on around us. We see in this story that, that Jesus was full of energy and he just stopped there. No, he was weary. He was tired from walking to Galilee. 
He was on his way. He was on a mission. He was um, going to Galilee. And if you read on, you'd actually see that he went to Galilee and performed a miracle. And that's what he did in Galilee. And then he came back. But he was on a mission. He was going somewhere. And yet he got tired in that. And aware of it, he took a break. I think sometimes in ourselves, we need to be aware of how we're doing spiritually, how we're doing physically, and sometimes we need to take a break. I work in ministry. I live in another country. We have, to, um, we have a lot of issues with water there. We have a lot of things going on. There's always more that we can do. We can have a line of people out in front of our house and, and still not do everything that we needed to do after we reached the people in that line. There's always more to do, but sometimes we need to learn to take a break. We, we minister to kids in our neighborhood there, and, and um, we used to have kids coming over to our house every single day. And somebody said, hey, you know, you guys need to have some time for yourselves as well. And so we decided to be more organized in how we minister to those kids to have specific times where they can come in and we can minister to them well. And so we, we were able to take that good advice and, and minister to these kids. On Wednesday afternoons, we have a Bible study where we, they come in and we do, um, we do some certain games with them. We do discipleship with them. We do um, teaching them Bible stories. And we send home a, a sheet that they can take home and show to their parents. And they can fill it out and come back and, and gain, gain points so that they can be part of a, a special party we do with them. We're getting ready to open up what we call Disciple Tech for the older kids who've aged out. And um, they're uh, coming there and the boy, older boys are bugging each other and stuff like that. We're realizing, you know what? We're ministering to younger kids and these kids just don't feel a part of it. So we're starting a new segment to reach out to them. But we're not just trying to be busy. We're trying to be purposeful and be aware of what's going on around us. Jesus was there and he didn't just sit at the well and say, oh, you know, I'm taking my break. You know, yeah, there's this lady, but I'm, I'm on break right now. He was aware of the needs around him, and he started ministering to her in a, the way that she needed. And he didn't just strike up a conversation. He struck up a purposeful conversation. And he had a point to what he was saying. He asked her for water. He was probably thirsty. But then he turned the conversation into about the living water that would transform and change her life. We need to have an awareness around us. My wife is really great at this. She is an evangelist, and she reminds me many times, hey, that person right there, we need to tell them about Jesus. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm a missionary. I should remember this. But she helps me remember that. And as we're um, just, just on the, um, the flights up here and, and the different things that are going on, um, she's ministering to people, praying for people, and, and I'm trying to keep track of the kids and all these things. And, and it's amazing how having that awareness of people around us has been um, something that has helped us to minister to other and reach out to people in Guatemala. Um, when there's a funeral... When someone has died in our neighborhood, we don't live in a compound on a base or something like that. We live among the people. And many times we'll see it's a trash bag that they'll tie up, tie the corners up, and then they'll tie it in the middle so it looks like a big bow. And that means someone in their family has died. And so when that happens in our neighborhood, we go to the wake and we, we visit the family and we're able to minister to them. And, and it's been amazing to see how God has um, connected us with the people in that community. We're part of that community. We've been there for eight years, and, and people are like, oh, yeah, you've been here for a while now. And um, our kids were born in Guatemala. My, my, we have more Guatemalans in my family than, than gringos. <laughs> but you know what? That's connecting us with the people, and we're, we're being aware of how we can reach out to people around us. The second point, so the first one is uh, um, honing or refining a sense of awareness of what's going on around us. The, the second point is this. is I think I made up this word, but uh, you'll get it. Interruptibility. The ability to receive interruptions in our life and not let it mess us up. 
Um, I'm a person who likes to plan. I likes to plan. I like to, to have things organized and have a plan of like what's going to happen. And I know that many of you are businessmen or or um, working um, uh, in your different places, and you're probably pretty organized about what you do, or you want to be maybe. Um, but I like to be organized, and and sometimes my plans get messed up. I was. I had this whole trip planned out for my family to fly from Guatemala City to Houston, Texas, and then on to Kansas City to come to the United States. We were at the hotel in the capital, and we were less than 12 hours away from our flight, and I get an email from American Airlines, I'm sorry, from Continental, saying, your flight's been canceled. And so I had to call this number and, and figure out. So I called Continental and I said, hey, um, you know, what can we do about this? We're really wanting to get out. And they said, well, it looks like you might have to wait a day or maybe two days to be able to um, get on up to the States. I'm like, I've got a schedule. we got to try to make this work. And finally, oh, wait, wait, wait. No, we, we got something. Um, it's going to work out. looks like you guys are on a flight. to. You're going to leave Guatemala and you're going to go to Nicaragua. Now, for those of you who know geography, Nicaragua is not in the same direction as the United States. It is the opposite direction of the United States. It's south. And so we flew to Nicaragua, and they added about eight hours to our entire um, trip. And so we were planning on getting to the United States about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and we got there about midnight. And so um, it, it messed with my schedule. But what I saw God do in that um, interruption of my schedule was that on the flight in, in, from Nicaragua to Houston, my whole family was spread out all throughout the plane. The plane. My kids, are, were, at the time, were seven years old. My son just had a birthday, so he's eight now, but um, seven years old and under. And they had spread us all across the plane. And um, so we talked to the stewardesses and, and said, hey, could you help us out here? We really would like to you know, have our kids closer to us. I don't feel comfortable having my four-year-old daughter, daughter sitting next to whoever. And so, anyway, they helped us out. We got pretty close together, but there was a, a gentleman who was sitting there by the window, and they, they talked to him and said, hey, sir, would you mind moving to another seat? And he was like, no, I am staying here. I'm like, okay, he's kind of grumpy, Mr. Grumpy. Mr. Grumpy was sitting there, and I was seated very close to Mr. Grumpy. And it turns out that Mr. Grumpy's name was actually Angel, Angel. And he's from Nicaragua. He works in California, and we got into a conversation. And it was really neat because he shared with me when he, we got to talking about what we do. And, and he shared with me that, you know, I used to be part of the church. And I used to um, uh, feel like I was close to God. But you know what? Now I feel like I'm, I'm far away. And, and basically he told me, I don't know if God would take me back. I've been too far. And I was able to share with him and encourage him and encourage him to, to, go, uh, to connect back with the Lord and, and to pray for him. And, and you know what? In my interruption that messed with me, I saw God connect me was somebody who needed to hear about his love. I want you to know that around you, there are times that you're gonna, your, your plans are going to be interrupted. Just like Jesus' plan was to go to Galilee, but he got tired and he stopped at a well. And do you know what? He stayed there two days. He stayed in that town for two days. And do you know what the people said? They said, no longer do we believe that he is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, because of what you said to the woman. They said, we have encountered him ourselves. We believe now because of what we experienced with him. I want you to know that God can use your interruptions to give you an opportunity to introduce someone to Christ in a way that they will no longer say it's because of what you said, but because of the encounter that they had with Christ. We need to be aware and we need to be interruptible. The third point is this. I once had a, um, I was going to New Mexico to work among the Navajo Indians. This was when I was in college, and, and I was going to be there for a short period of time, and I talked to another missionary. I said, hey, can you give me any tips? What can I do if, I am, um, if I'm interacting with this group of people and the Navajo, and, and I'm only there for a short time? How can I connect with them in a genuine way? 
in a real way. I, I want to connect with them. And he said, you know what? There's one thing you can do. And, and he told me that if I would genuinely love them, then I would connect with them. And you know what? That's very true about our lives. When we genuinely love the people around us, when we genuinely love our own children and our, our wives and our, uh, the, the people we work with, there will be a transformation that, that can happen in that, those relationships. There, there are opportunities that come because of that genuine love. Jesus genuinely loved those people, the people who were rejected by the religious people of that day. But Jesus was there and, and he loved them in a way that drew them to him. We will have experiences in our life that we can reach out to people around us because it's our responsibility, because it's the right thing to do, because we know we should, because the Bible tells us to. But the Bible talks about that if we do things without love, we are like a clashing cymbal or a gong that just makes a bunch of noise. You know what? We need to genuinely love the people around us. We need to have God's eyes to look into the world around us and say, you know what? Mr. Grumpy is actually a person who needs to be reminded that he can connect with Christ. There will be opportunities today and this week for you to encounter that Mr. Grumpy in your life and share something with him or her that can draw them to him, draw them to Christ. This story helps me remember that because I live in Guatemala and I have opportunities all day long, but you know what? That's my normal world. I've been there for eight years and people could ask us, well, what's it like to raise kids in Guatemala? I don't know what's it like to raise them in the United States. I've never done that. It's my normal world. And when we're in our normal worlds, it's easy to not be wanting any interruptions or to not be aware of what's really going on around us or to not genuinely love because we have our agenda and our things that we're trying to do. But you know what? We can follow God as an example and see what Jesus did when he was interrupted and he reached out in a way that showed the genuine love that God had for the people of that town. And they left that experience saying, you know what? I believe not because of what you said, but because of the encounter we had with Christ. Gentlemen, we have opportunities today to take what God has done in our hearts and our lives and share that with others. Not out of obligation, not because we know it's the right thing to do or because, well, that's just what I do, but because we have experienced the genuine love of Christ. You are here this morning because you came early for the fellowship, the discipleship, for the opportunity to, to be here. But I hope you guys will take this and go back out into the regular world that you live in and remember to be aware of the situations and the encounters that you will have. There's a, a missionary who died in the 1950s. He was killed by the Indians in, in Ecuador as he was trying to reach them with the gospel. And he'd written in his journal, this is Jim Elliott, he said, wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt everything you believe to be the will of God. I'm going to say that again. Wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt everything you believe to be the will of God. I think that is a bit of a summary of what Jesus did. He could have been thinking about, yeah, I got to get up to Galilee. I got to do these things. But you know what? He was there. He was all there. He was thirsty, and yet he was all there enough to minister to the women. The Bible never says that he got that drink of water. I imagine he did eventually, but you know what? He was more focused on, on 
reaching the heart and the soul in that situation than just that surface issue. Gentlemen, let's take this and remember that we will have well encounters in our life. Where's your well today? And how can you be all there? How can you be aware? How can you be interruptible? And how can you genuinely love? Because we are called not to just exist, not to just walk through the moments of life, but to bring the genuine love of Christ that transforms the lives around us. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to, to be here among this group of men and to bring your word to share what's going on in Guatemala and how you are transforming lives and preparing people to go to the nations. Lord, I pray for the hearts and the lives of these men that as they go out into their jobs, they go out into their, um, uh, their world and they encounter people, that they will remember what you have called us to do and that we will do it out of a genuine love to see your transformation happen in the hearts and lives of ourselves, our families, and those around us. I pray a blessing on them in Jesus' name.